The Master of Arts in Spirituality at Oblate School of Theology immerses students in the deep historical and contemporary wellsprings of the Christian spiritual and mystical tradition. Courses may be taken full-time or part-time, and face-to-face or online. Learn more at ost.edu ma-spirituality. Welcome to Inside the Vatican with America Media. Each week, veteran Vatican reporter Gerard O'Connell and I take you behind the headlines for an intergenerational conversation about the biggest stories out of the Vatican. Overnight, more signs that Russia's targeting civilians stepping up their siege of the capital. Missiles have landed in the heart of Kyiv, slammed into a suburban apartment building. After a week of heavy shelling from Russian forces, an attempt to deliver aid to the besieged city of Mariupol has failed. This week, we're bringing you the latest updates on the Vatican's interventions in the war between Russia and Ukraine. Well, the Vatican also is weighing in on the military conflict in Ukraine. Yesterday, Pope Francis made a heartfelt appeal to end the violence. After that, Jerry tells the story of one heroic nun who drove 4,000 miles across Europe to rescue Ukrainian refugees. I'm Colleen Dully. This is Inside the Vatican. Good morning from New Orleans, Jerry. Good afternoon from sunny Rome, Colleen. It's good to hear that it's sunny again. How is Elisabetta doing in Ukraine? Well, she's uh, had some sleepless nights as the sirens sounded, and uh, she had to dash to the cellar along with the other people in the building. Mm -hmm. She's in Lviv now? She's in Lviv, yes. Yeah, I saw that she posted a, a video of people singing Orthodox prayers in a bomb shelter underneath where she's staying. It was really, really moving. I think she's been very moved to see the way people under the threat of bombs pray and sing. And uh, she's been down there in the bomb shelter working on her computer as they were singing and chanting. I, I, I think it's really impressed her a lot. The latest news from Ukraine shows that although Russian airstrikes continue across the country, Russia's ground efforts remain stalled. Talks between Russia and Ukraine are expected to continue today, March 15th, as the heads of three European nations, the Czech Republic, Poland and Slovenia, travel to Kyiv to meet with Ukrainian President Zelensky. Meanwhile, the Vatican has yet again been stepping up its own efforts against the war. Pope Francis sent two cardinals to Ukraine and to neighboring countries that are accepting refugees. He sent Cardinal Cherny, who works in the Vatican's office that's focused on migrants and refugees, who visited Ukraine briefly and will return again this month. He also sent Cardinal Krajewski, who is his papal almoner, who doles out charity on behalf of the Pope. And Cardinal Krajewski stayed in Ukraine for a few days and led an interreligious prayer service for peace in Lviv. So, Jerry, you interviewed Cardinal Cherny as he returned to Rome, and you reported on Cardinal Krajewski's trip, and actually Elizabeth was able to ask Krajewski a question after his prayer service. What were these two cardinals doing in Ukraine and in neighboring countries? What was their mission? Well, Cardinal Cherny told me, he said, that the decision by the Pope came as a complete surprise to both of them. The Pope said, I want you to go. I want you to represent me there, to be my presence among the people. The Pope really is, I don't 
feel we can express how deeply involved he's in this. He's speaking with people there when Cardinal Krajewski was in Lviv. The Pope spoke to him. He spoke to some of the local bishops there live on, I think, a Zoom. And the Pope is deeply involved. He's hearing every day what's happening. He's phoning people. He's talking with people. And I, I think if he got half a chance, he would go. And in fact, before we came on the program, Colleen, there was uh, news that uh, the mayor of Kiev has sent a letter to the Pope inviting him to come to Kiev and said, maybe you can save lives if you come. You're a spiritual leader of the world. Do you think there's any chance he actually goes? I think the Pope hasn't played all his cards yet. Interesting answer. I mean, he's been having so much trouble with his knee. He has shown us before that he's willing to fly into war zones, as you experienced in, what was it, the Central African Republic? I think if the Pope saw there was a real possibility that his presence would be a game changer or make a significant difference, I think he would go. And so the Pope sent these two cardinals to be his presence, to meet the people, to listen to their stories, to communicate his closeness to them, and then to report back to him. They were mostly spending their time with refugees, right? Correct. And Cardinal Cherney, you wrote in your story, was specifically tasked with looking into human trafficking. Why is that such a concern here? You know, in all these migrations, these uh, refugee situations, there are always people who try to profit from them. In fact, the morning I spoke to Cardinal Cherny, he just returned from Hungary and entering Ukraine. He told me he'd got a message from a source in Poland who said that on the Polish-Ukrainian border, there were guys with two buses wanting to get young women onto the buses to move them to Germany, to Denmark, and to Holland for prostitution. And they would come and say, you know, you, you want to go somewhere? Here, we've got a bus. Come, come, come. These displaced people, disoriented, don't know where they're going. And uh, fortunately, there were some older women from Ukraine who spotted this. And they were living in Poland and they went and they challenged these guys who were trying to get the women onto the bus and said, show us your documents, show us. And these guys disappeared. So these women were saved. But it's it's a big, big problem. We've seen it all the time, people coming from uh, Syria, people coming from North Africa to, to Italy uh, or to Europe. And so many of them are dragged into prostitution and also young young boys uh, or into kind of slave labor. Uh, so the human trafficking element is is a constant. Cardinal Krajewski went to Lviv. Lviv is the gateway to Poland for so many of the refugees from the south, the east. Lviv itself has 200,000 refugees living in the city right now. I think it's very difficult to convey to our listeners the dimensions of this problem. We've got two, more than two and a half million people already in two weeks, well, 21 days, who have been forced into exile and don't know when they come back. And I remember the striking phrase that Cardinal Czerny said to me, these people have lost their lives. They've left behind everything they have. They come with maybe two bags in their hands and they don't know when they're going back, if ever. And if they go back, they don't know what they will find. He said, these people have lost their lives and they haven't yet got a new life. Jerry, I want to hear from you what 
the Pope is saying on this lately. The Cardinals were there representing him, but you mentioned that he's making some efforts of his own. What have we heard from him publicly? Well, the strongest statement came last Sunday when he said, in in words that uh, were unequivocal, he said, stop this massacre. It was a plea to Russia, because Russia is the aggressor. He doesn't name Russia, but you don't have to. I mean, you know who you're talking about. There's only one aggressor. He said, stop this massacre. And he said, it was really quite strong, his statement. He he spoke after saying the, the Angelus. He said, we've said the prayer of Mary. And I'm thinking of this city in the southeast of the country, Mariupol, which is named after Mary. This is where the maternity hospital was bombed, right? Yeah, you've got about 400,000 people living in this city who've been under constant bombing, shelling for more than 12 days. They haven't got food. Mm-hmm. They haven't got water. They haven't got electricity. They haven't got heat in what is freezing temperatures. And the city is partially destroyed. And for the Russians, this is a key city they have to win because they want to control the the whole of the access to the sea. And then they will go to Odessa. It's a real strategy, but it's brutal, it's cruel, and it's the same as the Russians have done in Chechnya, and it's the same what they did in Syria, in Aleppo. It's the same strategy. You lay siege to a city, you bombard from the air, from the land, from the sea, and you Keep going until the people surrender. But the amazing thing is the people are not surrendering. Another main issue with their situation is that they aren't able to ensure the safety of humanitarian corridors to get people out of Mariupol. That's been a main concern of diplomats. And the Vatican Secretary of State, Cardinal Perlin, did call the Russian Foreign Minister, Sergei Lavrov, last week, calling for those humanitarian corridors to be protected but we have been hearing reports that those those evacuation corridors are being attacked. Cardinal Perlin also offered Vatican mediation again in the conflict, which Cardinal Perlin said Russia took note of and Ukraine has signaled an openness to. I wanted to ask you kind of a bigger question here, which is, do you think that there's hope for a diplomatic solution? At the end of the day, there has to be. Because I cannot see Europe accepting the obliteration of a whole country a democratic country, the second largest in Europe, to be completely overtaken by the largest country in Europe and to accept that it is totally surrendered to these people. The people themselves don't want it. It is inconceivable, I think, to most people in Europe that the country will simply surrender and be overtaken by Russia. Because if that happens, who is to say that next will be Poland or Estonia or Latvia, or Lithuania, the Baltic states. Who is to say? Cardinal Perlin raised the concern that the diplomatic conversations don't seem to be going anywhere, at least to us on the outside. But he's concerned that we just keep supplying arms, that that is how this ends up going. Yes, Cardinal Perlin, he told the Russian foreign minister, first, stop the fighting, have a ceasefire. Secondly, have humanitarian corridors. And as you said, these haven't been guaranteed. And they've not been guaranteed because they don't stop the bombing. And it's political will. And if the politicians tell them the military, you stop, they stop. 
And we know that many of the soldiers now, the young Russian soldiers are in there. They don't know what the hell they're doing in this country. And thirdly, Parallel said, the the answer cannot be just resistance the whole time. You can't just feed arms all the time. Because while NATO says it is not involved, it is an open secret. They're saying publicly, we're supplying arms. The United States is supplying a lot of what they call lethal aid. So are so many of the European countries. I've seen a map the other day, two weeks ago, which countries were supplying arms to Ukraine, and it was practically one or two. Today, practically the whole of Europe is supplying arms. And Cardinal Sparrowland's message is, this will not give a solution. Cardinal Parolin's message and the Pope's message from the beginning, we must give the priority to negotiation, to a solution. But this requires that Russia doesn't want just to go for broke and will not come to the negotiating table in a way to actually negotiate. It's one thing to sit at the table just to give the impression you're negotiating. It's another thing to negotiate in all seriousness. And it's going to be a very big problem to get a real solution here. Everybody recognizes that. All right, Jerry. While that is happening on the up high diplomatic levels, there are people who are really taking matters into their own hands, who are trying to help these refugees in whatever way possible. After the break, we'll talk about a nun who drove 4,000 miles in four days to rescue six Ukrainian refugees. Stay with us. Boston College School of Theology and Ministry integrates deep theological study with contemporary questions, preparing theologians and ministers who are equipped to respond to the needs of today's church and world. Generous financial aid is available. Learn more at bc.edu stm. Penso que nosaltres hem obert les portes del conveni, que hi ha molts convents. Ahir m'escrivien unes monges de Mataró, unes trinitàries de Mataró, que obrien el seu convent per acollir... As the Vatican sends high-profile cardinals to check out the situation for displaced people in the war, and other nations send their heads of state to provide diplomatic support, some ordinary people have taken matters into their own hands. Jerry, you reported last week the story of Sister Lucia Karam, or Sor Lucia as you call her, a nun who's living in Spain who drove 4,000 miles to Ukraine and back to rescue six refugees, and her efforts to rescue refugees have only been increasing since then. So let's tell her story. First off, who is she? Who is Sister Lucia? Well, she's an Argentinian nun who joined the Dominican Order and came to live in Spain, and she's living near Manresa, near where St. Ignatius of Loyola wrote the spiritual exercises in the cave. I remember I visited her place and walked down 10-15 minutes down the road and went to the cave where St. Ignatius wrote the exercises. She is, I, I don't know whether you say this in the United States, she's a force of nature. She really is an extraordinary person. Charismatic, she's 55 years old. She's in the convent with four or five elderly nuns, elderly sisters. They have this very ancient convent, goes back centuries, and she has turned it into a hub of activity 
She's a contemplative nun, but it's become a hub of activity, providing education for, for poor children, children of migrants, providing assistance to migrants, providing help to families in difficulty. She is doing extraordinary work. She's very close to uh, Lionel Messi, the famous footballer, and to the Barcelona team. She, she's got them all on board helping her. That's awesome. She was also helping the, 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 her convent, her community. They were helping three or four Ukrainian families before the war broke out. I think they had come from the earlier conflict in the, in the 2014. Mm -hmm. And uh, so she knew a bit about the situation. And so her first reaction, when the war broke out on the 24th, she organized a prayer service in the convent church. It's very big. She expected a handful of people to come. There wasn't enough room for people. Everybody came. Then the next day, there was a big demonstration for peace in, in Manresa. And since the families that they were accompanying were going, she said, I'll go with them. And there she saw again the great, great desire for peace, not war, peace. Then one of the more recent arrivals from Ukraine said to her, my mother and father, they're in Kiev. They have a possibility of getting out next week. My father's quite ill. And I'd like you, if you could find a way to, to bring them back. Can you do something? So she said, I spent several nights thinking. And then one of the volunteers who helps her in all this work said to her, well, Swar Lucia, why don't we just get in the car and go? And she said, I prayed about it. I thought about it. And I thought, it's a great idea. Let's do it. And so they drove. And when they arrived there, they found that this elderly parents couple couldn't get out of the city because of the bombing. But her friend had a girlfriend who had a son who had managed to get out. And so she got them and she picked them and she picked up another woman with two adolescents and a woman who was all by herself who had left her elderly mother because the mother said, you go, you're, you're young, you go. So Sister Lucia and, and Luis, this guy who mentioned that they should just go, are walking around this refugee camp looking for these people they're supposed to pick up. Tell me about what they saw at the refugee camp. She saw this all these tents in a football field, which they turned into a reception center, kind of orange colored tents. And she saw, she said, I saw all these buses, a river of buses coming, people coming off of them, about two and three thousand a day. And then she said, I saw these people walking, 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 exhausted. She said I, she was so moved by this reality. They had walked so long, they had traveled a long time to get there. She even saw people walking the other direction, back to Ukraine, right? Yes, this left the real impression on her, watching these young men who'd accompanied some of the women and were then going back, and then other men from other places coming to go back and fight for Ukraine. She said the looks on their faces, you could see the kind of a distant look on their faces, their eyes sometimes with tears, but she said they were all determined to go back and fight. So she saw it, and so she drove back. She took these people back to Spain. Yeah, who ends up in her car? There are three women, two adolescents, and then one boy of 12 years old. She said they slept the whole way, except when they stopped for to go to the bathroom or when they stopped for a, a snack. She said they were so exhausted. And then when they arrived back at the convent, the, the elderly sisters were out to meet them, lots of young people. And of course, the news had got out to the media, and so there were telecameras and everything. And then she set about immediately, they settled in the convent for the first week, she set about having them begin to study Spanish. 
And the people in that zone in Manresa and Manresa the surrounding area, they have given her 500 apartments wow. to house the refugees. Last Saturday, she hired a plane with the help of two other NGOs and a company and flew to Poland and took back, she told me, 220 wow. refugees. And next Wednesday, by the time our listeners have heard this story, she will have brought back another 200 from, from Poland. I see what you mean by saying she's a force of nature. Pope Francis is very concrete. He says, we don't want words. What we need is action. And then you may use words to explain it. And he said, this is what the gospel is about. The gospel, you do it. And then where necessary, as St. Francis of Sisi said, you explain it with words. And this is Suor Lucia in, in essence. She gets the thing done. I mean, in the space of two weeks, she will have taken to Spain and housed 400 and 26 refugees. And Cardinal Cerny said to me, I talked to him about her, and he said, he said, this is really the most extraordinary thing that I saw on my mission to Hungary and to the Ukraine. People coming from all over Europe, not on this dimension, but people coming in their car and saying, I have three seats, I have four seats. Do you want to go to Belgium? Do you want to go to Italy? He, he met four groups from Italy could come driven up in their car and said, we've got one or two places in our house, come back. And look at Poland, which was refusing refugees up to some months ago. They didn't want the, them coming from Syria or from North Africa. They didn't want them, the government. Didn't and suddenly they have taken 1.75 million people into the country and counting. The coming together of Europe that we've seen is really beautiful. And obviously people like Sister Lucia are doing heroic things. I feel like we would be remiss not to mention that we didn't see this kind of coming together when the refugees were coming from the Middle East or from North Africa. There, It seems like there's a, a racial kind of reason that, that we're seeing the outpouring now. Colleen, we were dealing with a moment in the European history where populism was thriving with support from Russia and from some other countries. And the populism was thriving in response to these waves of, of refugees coming. It was flourishing on the waves of refugees. It was stirring up a nationalism, closing the frontiers, closing the doors, raising fears among people. And this war has scuttled that kind of thinking. I'm not saying it won't come back because it's lurking there. And we see also the nationalism within the churches. And we see today now in, in the Ukraine itself, as I, I think we said on the last program, where the Orthodox, which is the main religion in the country, you, you had it very divided. And now they're suddenly bonding together in defense of their own national freedom. So th this war is reshaping, I think, orthodoxy. It is re reinvigorating the Catholic dimension and I think also breaking through the splits within Catholicism itself and bringing also the Protestant churches close. There's an ecumenism of solidarity that we are seeing and it's very beautiful. Yeah, we'll have to see if, if that persists and if it's able to overcome these national divisions uh, between churches. We'll have more on the ecumenical aspects of this conflict really soon on Inside the Vatican, so stay tuned for that for our listeners. And you can also find Jerry's stories on Cardinal Krajewski's visit to Ukraine, Cardinal Cherny's visit to Ukraine, and on Sister Lucia's trip across Europe to rescue the refugees, all at americamagazine.org and linked in the show notes. Jerry, thank you so much for talking with me today. I appreciate it. 
Thank you, Colleen. Inside the Vatican is a production of America Media. This week's episode was produced by Maggie Van Dorn and Ricardo Da Silva. Production assistance from Kira Hanlon at America Media and Robert Balliser at the Jesuit Curia in Rome. Our executive producer is Sebastian Gomes. Audio engineering by Kevin Christopher Robles. You can find in-depth and up-to-date Vatican coverage at americamagazine.org and follow us on Twitter at I-N-S-D-E Vatican Pod. That's inside without the second I, Vatican Pod. If you want to support our work here on Inside the Vatican, the best way to do that is by purchasing a digital subscription to America Magazine. You can do that at americamagazine.org slash subscribe. Thanks. For America Media with Gerard O'Connell, I'm your host and producer, Colleen Dully. We'll see you next time.